0: season ticket advisory board and founding member of dallas opulent society aka dos fc dallas's most exclusive supporters group third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer 90 shop soccer 90.com for all your fc dallas u.s national team and international club jerseys tees and scarves beginning today all fc dallas jerseys are eligible for the third degree podcast listener discount so when checking out on Soccer90.com, be sure to use the promo code third Degree, and you will receive 20% off your entire order. Soccer90. Live it. Love it. Wear it.
1: Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast number... 165. 165. Hi, my name is Peter. How you doing? As always, here via the miracle of the internet, first... The amazing Dan Crook. Dan, how are you doing after your country got walloped
2: by Shabalak Shun? Well, that sounds like an innuendo in itself, but uh, (laughs) I don't know. It's not a World Cup. Who gives a shit?
1: (laughs) Yeah, who gives a shit? Uh, And your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, live from the most beautiful part of the country, the Pacific Northwest, Editor, founder of ThirdDegree.net, Buzz Carrot, come in, Buzz.
3: Uh, hi, Peter, calling in today from Spokane Valley, Washington, to be specific.
1: Uh, my only uh, big, uh, let's well, how would I want to say this? The one thing that m- pleases me most that this is just an audio format podcast and not a visual is you won't be rubbing in those amazing mm. photos of where you're hanging out yeah, in it, my face.
3: <laughs> it's pretty nice being up here on the lake where the... The high yesterday on the water was about sixty-five. So uh, y'all enjoy the weather back home. It's been, I hate you. it's been nice to get away to some solitude. You know, while still keeping in touch with S. C. Dallas a little bit. Are they but...
1: are they crop dusting by
3: your cabin? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you no, know, no. They're not. Thankfully, there you is of that but... nearby though. It's just not near where I am.
1: I know you could do this on a pretty regular basis and yeah. I'm sure every time you pack up the truck and you turn around to leave and you must have all sorts of regret and second thoughts, maybe I should just stay here full time mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Here, Here's the one thing to think about as you're driving away, that'll make you feel better. At least you won't be there when the super volcano goes off and kills everybody instantly.
3: Yeah. The, the Yosemite super volcano. Yeah. Yeah. That, Yellowstone. Exactly. The Yellowstone one. Yeah. Sorry. Not yeah. Yosemite. Yeah. Well, It's funny, Peter. The the thing that always makes me turn around and go back is actually, and this not to sound like a total dork, it's actually this soccer stuff. It's like you know, this is what I feel. It's what makes me come back. You know, you're
1: such a suck up.
3: I know, but it's like it's not. Like you think about, it, like my wife and I would be perfectly happy to live here. Her family's from here. My <laughs> no job soccer is,
1: games to go to. Yeah,
3: my job <laughs> is whatever, right? I mean, career's a career, you can get another job. There's still T V up here. But like my my F C Dallas calling, I don't know, is what brings you back.
1: Yeah, no, it, you'd get so desperate, you'd start going writing game reports of, like, YMCA <laughs> yeah. games filled with uh, Indians and, and, and small town people, kids, well, and stuff like that. It'd be awesome.
3: There's actually a USL1 ownership group here that's putting a stadium together with the uh, local township to play in USL1, so you never know. Really? Yeah, and a, and a women's, a W, uh what is it, Dan, what's the other women's league? Not the big, the number one, the number two, the W.
2: WPSO WPSO Yeah.
3: Yeah. And that also it's, it's it's going to be sort of a mixed use facility. I read in the news. I don't know squat about it. I just read the newspaper here, you know, online and, will it, and yeah. it
1: will end up with uh, better branding than North Texas.
3: Yeah. Probably, <laughs> probably so. <laughs> Not hard to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, Buzz, we look forward to your return and glad that uh, FC Dallas calls and makes you long for Frisco, Texas instead of beautiful 65 degree weather in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest.
3: Well, there were two weekends off, so it made a good chance to get away for three weeks.
1: It did. So this is going to make for an interesting uh, podcast since we don't have any games to talk about. Uh, You know, I think what we were going to try to do is just kind of take a pause and big picture it uh, over the course of the season. But before we get into that. While we don't have FC Dallas games, we're still getting to check out some FC Dallas players, specifically Jesus Ferreira, who has been starting in the last two friendlies, which in many ways were actually more important than the two Nation League games that are coming up this week or in the next few days. Uh, and it's been it's been fun and interesting and a bit maddening to watch uh, both the professional and the uh, layman's reaction to Jesus' performances uh, against uh, in the two games that he played in. Uh, and Buzz, I think you said you watched the Uruguay game. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because he had a couple of really good opportunities. That was the is that the game he had the two good opportunity? Well, semi good opportunities that people are conflicted about.
3: Well, I certainly remember there being a couple of good opportunities for him. I'm not seeing the other one. I couldn't tell you how it compared, but uh, you know he had his moments in that game for sure.
1: So let's talk about what is it he is doing well for Berhalter, and I mean, obviously, finishing aside. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not convinced that all of those opportunities are as uh, easy peasy lemon squeezy as some people want them to be. I don't know what the XG ratings were for any of those opportunities, but let's talk about what he, it, what you see him doing well that maybe you don't see somebody uh, uh, like Haji Wright doing.
3: Yeah. So I mean, obviously. When most people review a striker, and this is perfectly valid, of course, he didn't score. So that's a problem. But right now, no one's scoring from that position for the national team. So you have to look at other factors. You know, no one on this team, uh, in terms of the U.S. national team, no one is Lewandowski, right? We don't have, for the United States, a striker that good. Not now, we don't. So you have to look at the things that they're doing other than scoring, when, since none of them are really scoring, uh, and you compare him to Pepe, you compare him to Wright, and you look at what he's doing. And what he's doing is the same thing he's doing for FC Dallas. Um, it's the same system, same style of play. So you have to r- remember that when you step up to the national team, what changes is the amount of time you have, the amount of space you have, how tight and clean your touch has to be. Uh, Jesus is pretty good at that. He's got a pretty good clean touch. He's, he's pretty good at shooting quickly not taking too long when he gets opportunities. He's really good with his off-ball movement to create space, just like you watch play with FC Dallas. You watch Areola, you watch Velasco exploit the space created by Jesus' movement. He's quick enough that he also takes advantage of the space himself that he creates with his movement. He's pulling center box out of position. The, the very essence of a what we generally call an off-nine, uh, sorry, a false nine striker uh, what what the coach is like to call a build striker or whatever the line breaking and they coming back to midfield and combining and getting the team forward. So he's still doing all those things. It's just that the time and the space are diminished, and it's much much harder. And you can look at Areola comparatively, and how he looks. Again, the time and space is diminished. It's harder. You know, so it's a more difficult level of play. These guys aren't quite used to it. But you have to like uh, his ability to get other guys involved because the men's national team, let's be honest, is built around Pulisic and whatever wing is on the other side, whether it's going to be Gio Reyna or whether it's going to be Awea. That's the way the team is constructed. It's constructed for McKinney to exploit those spaces, as he's really gifted at doing. Uh, Whoever it's going to – like Aronson, sometimes is in there in those positions exploiting those holes and gaps that are created. So you have to look into the idea of which of these strikers, none of whom are scoring, most elevates the guys around him. And that answer might be, Jesus. you know, I thought his touch looked really good. I thought his combination play looked really good. And those are the aspects of play that he's going to need. He has the ability to go at a guy and beat a guy and then make a pass and make a move and make a shot. He doesn't have to have somebody else create a shot. He can create a shot himself. So all that is really positive, you know, is it going to mean he's going to be the choice? Uh, who knows? I mean, only Bear is going to know that, you know. So as long as Hayes continues to be hot in Major League Soccer, I think he'll be in the conversation for that spot. And if he manages to make the team, then we'll have to look at things like matchups because I think that'll be very telling, like who they're playing might dictate what kind of striker you might want. And there's room for two or three maybe in the team. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see who gets those ch- chances. And it might be his we'll see.
1: Yeah, as related to Dallas, it was nice to see Paul get some time. Uh, I feel bad for him because I think he unfairly gets crapped on by uh, soccer Twitter just because he plays in MLS and not in Europe. If he was yeah. playing on a, like a, Mexa, a Liga MX team, he, I think his reception would be completely different. He could be exactly the same player, but if he was playing in Mexico, uh, people would treat him differently, at least those who treat him negatively now. Uh, and it was nice to see Weston play, although he looks uh, a bit... Uh, for all the obvious reasons, uh, a bit of a fraction of himself. But the one player that really, I thought, caught my eye, because I obviously I'm not watching him play week in and week out, uh, was Reggie Cannon. Now, Buzz, I don't think you saw the Morocco game. Dan, no. did you happen to watch it by chance? I did not. No. All right, there were several. Sequ- you know, so in the Morocco game, Burhalter was doing some something interesting tactically, where he was letting uh, Jedi run up the left when they had the ball, and when he did that, he was shifting to a three-man back line, which meant Reggie was having to play right center back, which I guess he's been playing for Boa Vista quite regularly this year, and I gotta I gotta give uh, Reggie some credit because. Um, ball skill in my mind my recollection was not always one of his better assets i'm not saying he didn't have it but i saw him with some ball skill and move in this game and off the ball movement that i had not seen out of him before he looked a higher level player in that game against morocco than i remembered him uh in his time here in dallas and i really appreciated the growth and if you haven't seen it buzz or dan you might want to go back and spend some time watching it it's Pretty interesting, frankly.
3: Well, Bearhalter specifically talked about that ability to play in the three-man back line as being really important. Uh, And if you remember, we've talked about this with Reggie before. Dallas recruits players who are everyone else's, like, number 10 of their best player. Reggie was a 10 for a team when Dallas recruited him. So he does have some passing on ball ability uh, in there in his game. So, like, his ability to play as that third center back, Bearhalter specifically talked about, the flex nature of his team. This is something we've talked about for a long time. You remember uh, um, Adams used to do this is the right back? Is he a six kind of flip flopping thing? And you, you've seen the way with SC e. Dallas' teams who play the same system, when they have a guy go forward, the other center, the other back stays and they become a three man back line. That happens all the time. So Reggie's ability to play that position is going to give him some versatility and be able to be that third center back when that team flexes forward with from uh, Jedi, as we call him, on the other side. That's a positive for Reggie in terms of making the team. I did a brand the other day about this. When you're building a roster for a national team, it's, it's not an all-star team. Yes, you have a way you want to play, and yes, you probably have your idea about what your first 11 is, but then you also look at things like, what do I do if I need to change formations, if I want to switch tactics, if I have to do a different thing? Do I have the guys that can fill these other roles and Reggie's ability to play in a three-man back line that way or play as a wing back, or play as a stay-at-home defender or play as a get-forward defender, all that versatility will give him a leg up against a guy, let's just say arbitrarily, Yedlin, who's a very one-dimensional attacking, flying, outside back, and that's it. So when you build your roster, which one of those guys might you want might depend a lot on who you're drawn against, who you think you might play. And the great example of this I always use is when Bruce Arena played a three-five-two against Mexico and put... Claudia Reyna, I think it was at right back, right wing back, and shocked Mexico and to- totally caught him off balance and ended up winning 2 nothing because he had the versatility to change formations. So, Bear is going to be one of the thinking about that, and Reggie will be able to bring some of that. And we've even seen Reggie play as a six in a pinch back in a Simon Dallas, mostly in training or with, or- or with other teams and not the- in an MLS game. But th- those versatilities really will help you get into a team, your ability to play multiple positions like that.
1: All right. Well, uh, the U.S. plays Grenada down in Austin. Is it tomorrow or Saturday? I don't know what the schedule is. I, I it's think one it's of those. tomorrow. Yeah, it's coming up here pretty quickly. And that is it. I was talking about this on the kick around. I'm going to ask you guys this question. See if and if you already know the answer, you know, fess up. But so they they're playing these two group games for the Nations League. Uh, between first Grenada and then El Salvador, the two other teams that are in their group. It's a three-team group, round robin. Right. So they're playing their first game. Uh, now, do you know when they will play the next
2: group game?
3: Boy, isn't it like September or something like that?
2: Or Dan, do you know? No, but I'm guessing November?
1: March of 2023. Wow. wow. Yes, stupid Nations League <laughs> tournament, next set of games for the same group, is almost just under a year from now. Is that not crazy and ridiculous and stupid?
3: You might not even have the same coach. Uh,
1: yeah, I yeah. know. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and I don't understand it, and it just shows how broken all this is. And again, a lot of it is because of the stupid Winter World Cup.
2: I did see that the stu the uh the stupid. The schedule was weird enough that Mexico will play their first game against Jamaica who will be playing their third game. Yeah, I think Jamaica played yesterday, I think I saw somewhere. I, I John they Arnold played, was yeah. They played a back to back with Suriname.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so all made up on the fly and wonky and very conca cafe. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Well, it's very just conca-caf-y.
3: remember that those stupid nation leagues games really exist more for not USA and Mexico, they're to give meaningful games yeah. to everybody else. So, well, I think we almost do it just to kind of as a charity, almost in a way, if you will. But yeah, <laughs> plus, I mean, basically for Bearhalter at this point, it's going to be like second and third tier guys. I mean, I can't imagine that your first year guys will play in that game.
1: No, and I do wonder. I was thinking about this. Would if if you gave it up to Burhalter to choose, would he rather have played this schedule, which allows him to try out different people in in a lesser, meaningless, you know, the Nations League situation, or would if he had rather tried to screw together four top level world, other World Cup Ooh. participants, and 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 stressed his you know his depth because obviously he can't ask Tyler Adams and and uh, Eunice Moose. So to play four straight games, that kind of thing. I, I don't know which yeah. one you would have picked.
3: Well, I think there'll be a chance to get more friendlies later on. Well, they're not. I mean, maybe I'm right about think that. There
1: are, I think pretty much, and Dan, you can help me out here. I think most countries at this point only have five or six games scheduled between now and November.
2: Yeah, I don't know what the calendar even looks like this year. I, I,
1: I'm pretty sure. I know, I know the U.S. only has like six games uh, total, and I think I heard somebody say the other day that, like, for example, England and only has five or six games between now and November.
3: Yeah, that seems about right because you got league play. You don't really have a choice. You know, it's like it, usually you might have a month off at the end of the season and you could get a few in, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of stuck. you got to hope that everyone's just going to be in peak league form, I guess. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I suppose, yeah. It's uh, the World Cup uh, this year uh, uh, poses a whole lot of new and interesting questions to keep an eye on. We'll talk more about that. All right, let's move into where we're at with uh, ye old FC Dallas and kind of a midpoint review of how we're feeling about their situation. And uh, and are we at a, are we technically at a midpoint? I, I, Dan, where are we? Are we a little early for mid part of the
2: season? Is that where we're at?
3: We heard uh, we it
2: before,
3: yeah Said a it little
0: again.
2: Over, third of the way through a little over the, okay,
3: yeah, all they right. played fourteen games out of thirty four so it's not halfway, but it's not a third quite either, so,
2: all right, so
1: here we are, we're just before halfway, Let's just call it that. I think it's pretty safe to say that when we look at just the Western Conference standings and see that f c Dallas is in second place with twenty five points behind l a f c which are four points ahead. And then maybe even more interestingly, that they're third in the supporter shield standings. Uh, LAFC again is on top. Uh, the only team in between them and LA is uh, New York at 26 points and have played a, one game less. That I think, I think it's at least in my opinion, even though I'm the guy on the podcast that predicted the highest (laughs) finish of everybody in fourth place. Uh, uh, they, uh, I I, I gotta say, man, I think so far all expectations have been exceeded to date.
3: Yeah, this club, uh, changed so many things this winter. Uh, and a lot of them didn't even, we didn't even realize were happening until the season really was getting underway. They went out and went after players and made some and, and turned this thing around really quickly. Now, the caveat to that, of course, is that when you've only played 14 games, you're also two wins ahead of 11th place. So, a real quick flame out will end this whole thing. But in the meantime, you have to like all the foundational stuff you're seeing happen. You know, the defense with uh, a change at left back, a change at goal, head returning to health, the defense has gone from worst in the west to best in the west you know over the course of this 13 goals allowed that's three goals better than anybody else in the western conference that's that's phenomenal turnaround that's phenomenal defensive performance and then you include that in the offense which is while last year the offense wasn't horrible it was middle of the pack and they're now i think they're tied for not tied i think they're in fourth place in the west in terms of goals scored you know and and while there's like there's some 24 goals is pretty good, and there's some good balance. You know, you know, Jesus and and, and uh uh Ariola are both scoring really well. Like that a balance across the fine line front line is what we expected, or what I expected anyway. The volume of goals is much higher than we would have thought. You know, there is one red flag about the offense that I'm a little concerned about, big picture, but you know, overall, uh it, it's a remarkable turnaround. And it's it's the, it's part of it is the coaching, part of it is the club's willingness to go out and spend, both cash and fake cash to and be aggressive in the market, and pretty much any move they've made. I can't, other than one draft pick, I think every move they've made is planned out, and that's what we've always said, criticized them for was that their hit rate has never been that high. Well, their hit rate this year is really high, so you have to be ecstatic. I think about what you're seeing happen. I mean, it, all signs are really good, uh except for the one that we'll talk about in a minute.
1: All right. Now, Buzz, I mean, Buzz sit sit tight cuz I'm going to put Dan on the spot. Dan, are you ready for this?
2: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're a podcaster screen dream, Dan. Uh Thanks. <laughs> uh what's the one element of this
2: season that you're most pleased by? Go, consistency. Uh, consistency in the team. Consistency of performances. Last year, it felt like you didn't know what the mid midfield would be like one week to the next. This year, it's uh, you, you know even if even if the the players change, the the performance doesn't necessarily drop off. The style doesn't change. The can, uh, the can can yeah uh consistency no 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 uh damn it this is an edit um the cone the, of silence the kind of silence doesn't drop off <laughs> no it's uh you know they'd have to uh change us. you know nothing really changes because Siki comes in for Brandon or for you know or something like that whereas last year you were dealing with um you know like Brian Acosta comes in. Brian Acosta goes away. Who's gonna Who's gonna fill in? How do you have to, How do you have to play to kind of deal around that that uh, disparity there? That word is eventually going to come to me about three hours after it's we finish It's not consistency. This. <laughs> it's not consistency. What?
1: Okay, but it It starts with k. Huh? Yeah. and it's not a foul four-letter word
2: it it should be by now that the english love (laughs) i i do have a particular affection for that word yes
1: (laughs) i'm sure i know you do i've heard you say it more than pretty much any other word i've ever heard you
2: utter (laughs) that's a complete load of bollocks um (laughs) maybe not i don't know Um, your middle name No, the consistency has been phenomenal. No drop-offs from going home to road, no anything. It's just been this team has actually been this team without this desperate attempt to define its style that we've seen in the past few years. Um, Okay, I think that's a great answer, and
1: I agree with you, and I hadn't even thought of it in that way, Um, but that is true. That is one of the real treats so far is that we don't get these weird – uh and and I and it's not fair to pin this just on Lucci, because I felt like we kind of got it with Oscar too where you just never know what you were going to get from game in to game out with uh Nico we're getting a very consistent uh uh set of performances uh is that I think that's a fair way of saying it isn't it Buzz
3: Yeah I think so there uh there's a I, I want to call it professionalism but I, that that the problem with that is that the the previous Coaches and coaching staffs were certainly professional, but um, it's more about a mentality that they've managed to drill down into the team that makes them very workmanlike and businesslike. They don't get excited. They don't get turned up positive or negative. They just, every time they show up, and they deliver this. This very not to use this. I feel like this is the beginning of the year where we're going to use the word consistent a million times like they did. It was a process. I'm
1: being told yeah, in the, the, the chat the word process is, <laughs> yeah. is compromise, compromise. It was apparently. compromise, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how that fits into your uh, <laughs> review, but whatever. You weren't it's compromising your,
2: your style for a different player ah, coming into the lineup. Okay. Yeah. All right. That does yeah. make sense. All right.
3: Yeah, there's a there's a methodology happening where there's like parts are interchangeable and everyone is has clearly defined roles, which players like, players like to know their roles and what they're defined to do, you know, and so they're e- easily able to switch in and out. And th- that comfort level that I think the players all have because of this, it, we talked about it a lot at the beginning of the year from the way training was different. I think it, the comfort level, lets them easily do these tactical switches we're now seeing where they're, they're switching in and out of style and formation during different phases of the game. And that's a really exciting high-level tactic. A lot of teams can't do that. You know, it takes soccer intelligence, and this coach seems to really put a lot of emphasis on that, which is nice. You know, certainly the way the SC Dallas Academy develops players, they develop that, that, that uh, soccer intelligence. That's one of the things they really look for. Um, they, they put a lot of emphasis on, you know, game reading and adaptation as part of their program. And it comes through and I think a lot of their homegrowns. You can look at any of the FC Dallas homegrowns I think they all have that quality about them. So um it now permeates the whole team and I think it shows up and that's the, it's why you get this this ability to to not lose the mentality when you go from different venues or different locations or different opponents. You know, it's really exciting.
1: We uh when when you told me you want what you wanted to do on the pod uh at kind of last minute notice and we didn't have any games to talk about I, I was trying to figure out how the best way to do this and I know we could I know we could Buzz break it down by kind of uh, yeah. department but what I wanted to focus on because I think for me it's been the it's been the uh, number of Pleasant surprises that this season so far has presented us. And so, for example, the first pleasant surprise, as best I can recall, is Marco Farfan. I mean, I was... I feel like I was like jumping up and down like a kid in a candy store over how good he was and what a what a good trade that turned out to be and maybe even it turned out to be equally good for Ryan to get to go back to LA as well but then it kind of shifted into man look how good Brandon Servania is playing and Edwin Cerio is playing and and they're really actually kind of uh uh keeping everybody's they were playing so well that we're not having to pay attention just to Paxton. And then it turned to the goalkeeper, Pause. Like, oh, my gosh, this guy's actually – once he actually has to do something, he can actually do it. And then uh, Jesus kind of came into it, and then it was the Paul Areola experience that we've enjoyed for the last several weeks. And and I, I don't know, Buzz, is there one element out of all of that that you feel like is maybe the best surprise of the season so far?
3: Best surprise – Um I mean, is that okay? Is that an all right? Do you guys understand?
1: Does that make sense? Is that fair?
3: I think I'm, I'm not going to claim it's a surprise, but I think the thing, the the most pleasing aspect of all those that you mentioned for me is actually um, Paxton Pomacle. because I was really, really worried um, that moving him back into the middle was going to be a problem, you know, that he was going to take too much of a beating and Combined with that, the fact that there's no real backup for him, Thomas has come back, and Thomas is at this point the backup for him, but he's yet to use Thomas, really, in that capacity. So as much as we think that there's going to develop a guy who can replace Paxton in some games, there hasn't been. And Paxton's had to play a really, really heavy load. And so far, for me, he's playing fantastically, and he's not suffering. I mean, we'll see. Like, he came out last game, right? So, um that pleasant surprise of Paxton returning to his game of two years ago. And as the season went on, he got better and better and better, you know? So I guess it's maybe that's a surprise or maybe I'm, I don't, I don't think it'd be fair to him to say it that way because he played that way before. So I guess that's the thing I'm happiest about is his revival. And the fact people are talking about him now with a national team again, you know, I think he's got to do a couple of things to get back in that picture for serious, but um, the way he's playing for Dallas, the way he's playing at an MVP level for Dallas, I think is, is of of the things that are not surprising, but perhaps we weren't guaranteed to happen. You know that we the eye was certainly worried and questioning. That's the one I'm most happy about seeing come to fruition.
2: Dan, do
1: definitely, you? Uh... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan.
2: I was gonna say definitely fair to say that that's a pleasant surprise. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about his recovery from from his surgery and. This is year two. He's he's a year ahead of where he's supposed to be.
1: So Dan, if you were to uh, look at it kind of on the flips, or not, this isn't a negative uh, by any means. But you know, we always want to have our back covered. What at this point of the season, sitting in second place in the West, do you feel like is the team's biggest um, exposure at this point? Point of a uh, potential exposure, its Achilles' heel.
2: Uh, any injury to Matt Hedges?
3: Oh yeah.
2: Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. All yeah. right.
3: Mine, yeah. Mine is slightly different. Oh, you want to talk about Hedges first? Well,
1: yeah. No, Dan, I mean, talk about that a little bit, please.
2: Oh, well, we, we we saw the uh, the game he had out when um when his uh, kid was born, and the defense wasn't pretty. We've we've seen Martinez play well. Uh, You know, Tafari was phenomenal last year, Um, and uh, just uh, for whatever reason, you know, you take Matt out of that lineup, suddenly uh, Emma Tomasi doesn't look as assured on the right, no one's quite cheating out wide to help cover um, the half spaces for him, your communication lacks at the back, suddenly your organization at set pieces goes away. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of. Uh, I mean, he earns that captain's armband. Uh, he may not be the the loudest leader, but the the things he does in that team and the confidence he he gives that back line, uh, just you can't replace it.
3: I think you can look at last year when he was playing. We found out later playing through a lot of discomfort and pain over the a last... broken hip. Yeah. That uh, even when he was still in there, he wasn't his same self, and the whole thing just really suffered last year. And, you know, when you talk about what happened last season, why was it even so horrible? It really just comes down to that. You know, when not having that a, a defender of the year, the Dallas's best defensive player of all time by far, not having that guy be 100 percent is a big problem. So yeah, Dan's right. If if he all of a sudden is old or all of a sudden is hurt, it's it's all going to go to pieces because the other guys are not ready to. Be that guy yet and hold it all together.
1: So, uh, Buzz, do yeah. you have what's your what, what's your exposure point? What's I your do.
3: yeah? I have one
1: soft soft spot on the top of the head of it's, this little baby.
3: Yeah, it's reliance on scoring efficiency. Uh, we've talked a lot this year about the the quality of shots that have been coming in the box. The number that are in the box instead of outside the box has been really good. We've talked a lot about. um, From game after game after game, we talk about this. The volume of shots is not high, but the number on target relative to the number of shots has been really, really good. And also the number of goals to the numbers of shots on target has been really, really good. So that's three things in in a row that are going really, really well. Now, it's very possible that those things are all going really, really well because this is a very good team and they can continue. But if Jesus goes cold, all of a sudden that those particular stats are going to fall off fast. And there's not really another guy that you can rely on in terms of like complete game. Like Frank O'Hara can come in and do it for 20 to 30 minutes, but he can't do it for like start the, you know, a whole bunch of games. So if Jesus were to get hurt or if he were to go cold or if, or for whatever reason he would lose his mojo, you know, that's going to be a problem because the whole thing is reliant on that efficiency. There were one or two games where they didn't have it. And all of a sudden the offense was like, Oh my gosh. But then it came back. So I'm hoping that there's coaching that is leading to this, that it's not just an accident, you know, that something that they're doing has led the team to have these, this efficiency in the final third, because it's really good. But you know, in the past, this team has not been really good in that particular area, in that efficiency in the final third. So, um, uh, the fact that there's a history of it is why I'm a little bit worried about it. I, only in the sense of like, I, I'm not actually worried about it. Like, I, like I think it's possible it's going. I am worried about it, and that it's possible it could happen. I am not worried about it in its likelihood. Only that it's going to be a big problem if it goes south.
1: OK, I love that answer and I agree with you uh, and I agreed with Dan, but I'm going to come up with a third and different one, which is the Go. clear refusal to wear the white road shorts with the red home jerseys. That's my biggest con- concern right now because I'm really pissed off about that. Yeah. No, uh, you know what mine is? Uh, my biggest concern is getting one Alan Velasco uh, moving in the right direction. Yeah, uh, I think. And I get and, and again, this one is going to be uh, tied to whatever your expectations are hoped for in terms of how the season plays out. Uh, if you're hoping this team has a real shot at competing for some sort of silverware. I think he's critical because this team needs game changers, those special players and special moments. And I feel like they've maybe got that a little bit in Areola and Jesus has those moments in, but Velasco clearly is the guy for all the money and hype and all of that, that I think needs to deliver that. Yes. Even in season one with him here. And I'm hoping that all of our silly speculation about him jaunting off um, you know, in classic Dallas uh, style and disappearing into the night, never to come back. Now that we know that he went to Argentina, gathered his family and brought them back to Frisco, uh, that things turn around and they actually get him rolling here quickly.
3: Yeah, credit to the club, by the way, for facilitating his family coming and visiting. That's that's awesome. Um, I, 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 that's an excellent point, Peter. And we, we've talked for years about how we felt this team wasn't ready to compete for an MLS Cup because it doesn't have those kinds of difference makers. And I think you're for sure right that Paul Aragola can be put in that group. The way Jesus and Paxson are playing, I think you can also put them in that group. We've talked for years about could you develop those guys to be DPs and be defensive difference makers, and I think that's happening. But you're 100% correct that the, the reason why you continue to play Alan Velasco, even when he does make mistakes, is because of this upside. He's so young, and yet he has the ability to have these magic moments you're willing to put up with, uh, you know, moments of brain farting because the idea is that he is a guy who could, in in a, in a time of real pressure and time of real uh, competition at the highest levels of this league, he might be a guy who can make a moment of individual brilliance that you need in order to advance in the playoffs in this league and win an MLS Cup. So that while it's not, while the team won't be bad if he doesn't do that, the ability for this team to be really, really good is going to yeah. hinge on his growth. And the continued growth of Ariel is too old to grow that way, but Jesus and Paxton will continue to grow. Velasco will continue to grow. And those four guys collectively and their progression in that way, as you so clearly stated, are what's going to let this team have, hopefully, the ability over this season or next season or maybe the one after to make that leap and actually compete for a cup.
1: Okay. Uh, Dan, you got any additional insight into that particular topic you'd like to mention, sir?
2: Um, while you two were talking, I was uh, looking at what Buzz was talking about, you know, the uh, the efficiency up front. And I remember Buzz had put this whole like, year-on-year thing together about how many, you know, or for each player about how many shots they have per goal. And FC Dallas as a whole on on average is like 10 shots a goal this year. They're sitting at 6.9 so yeah yes yeah. it's a real delicate thing yeah three more shots a goal that's i mean they're not you know they're, they're not producing that higher volume suddenly two goals per game goes down to one very easily and uh if you're only conceding one a game then you go from winning to one to to time
3: yeah there have been times within in this team's history and i don't have the document up in front of me but there's been times in this team's history where the, it's like 12 13 15 shots per goal. You know, you want to be under 10 for sure. And and to be uh, from for just from my memory, I'm going to say being around 6 is going to be one of the lowest this club's ever had, if not the lowest this club's ever had. So, that's what I mean about that efficiency.
2: To context, the double win in season was 9.14. Wow. So, wow. 6 yeah. is fantastic.
1: Yeah, I, I and you know, that's something I left out when talking about the surprises cuz I I think you could make the argument the reality is the biggest surprise to this season is just how dramatically better the defense has gotten from last season, which was utter trash.
3: Yeah, there's no question. Um, As you pointed out, Peter, the Farfan trade at the beginning of the year, look, we love Ryan Hollingshead, but in terms of solidifying your defense, Marco Farfan is a defensive first outside back. So was Johnny Nelson, but you couldn't couldn't predict what was going to happen with Johnny's back, and so you couldn't risk that as an organization. I understand that. Marco Farfan is an up and coming player, still pretty young, you know, and he's shown ability to progress his offensive game a little bit, but it's a defensive game. And then you combine that with Martinez's form improving, probably related to playing under a coach who understands the, the, the culture and the system, being the, the Spanish and all that. Combine that with Matt Hedges returning to health, combine that with Tuamasi uh, improving, maybe from the pressure of Nanu, maybe just from another year playing the spot. And you combine that with uh, Paz coming in and goal and being a spectacular goalie, and then you combine it with the progression of Edwin Serrio as a six or Facundo, who has because Edwin beat him out so cleanly, raised his game and Facundo's brought brought something to the team that he wasn't bringing last year. And both of those, all that combined together, is such a huge swing. And you've seen this team go from the worst team in the league to the best team in the league in terms of his defense, and it's remarkable. And that defensive foundation, what's the cliche, right? Defensive wins championships. It's a cliche, but that defensive foundation allows you the freedom to be special on the front end and to do things and to be mobile and to try these different formational switches and these different tactic switches and keep teams off balance and be able to to be efficient on the front end and not have to have crazy volumes of shots because yeah. you can control the game and you can dictate the game and you can stifle the game and, and, and stop the other team from getting I mean, the, the, the massively small amount of shots that the other team gets against FC Dallas is just mind boggling how few shots Paz has to face, except for those two games where he had like six and five <laughs> and he stood on his head and it was like, and he won them games. And when it's like, that's exactly what you want, right? From a well, goalie.
1: Yeah, but remember, there was a part of the season where we were like several games into the season and we kind of looked at each other and go, I don't know how, if he's any good because he's <laughs> yeah. not having to save anything. Yeah, so. he, at
3: one point, he'd like through five games, he'd face six shots. And yeah, only one of them the, was any good. <laughs> it
1: was the Portland game. He made that big save in the second half when Portland put on all their good players. And, and he made yep. a really big save to keep it uh, like a three-goal lead or whatever it was. And, uh, and that's when you're like, oh, okay, he's got something.
3: Well, people might think like one save doesn't really matter. But think about that in a context. If the, all of a sudden he finally faces a really difficult shot and he doesn't get it. Then there's a whole big letdown of like, oh man, but then sure. he makes that save yeah. and it's like, yeah, we're great, you know, and the whole team is lifted and the whole team's vibe carries forward, you know, a little moments like that can make or break a whole season when you have a guy you don't know about who all of a sudden you're like, okay, we're good there, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, all of that is great, and the and I I feel bad that I didn't start with the defense because in my mind now that I think about it, uh, in real time, that may be the best part of the story of this season is is just how. Ridiculously better and improved the defenses. And the reason why I think that's important is, and Dan, you could probably list this off way better than I can. You can go through, you know, the last multiple years, at least in recent times, of clubs that had terrible defensive issues. Got the right people in to fix them and went on to win a lot of silverware. Liverpool, like me, be the best example of that. Um, and that maybe, I know everybody may go, you can't really compare those two things, but it just drives home the point that getting your defense shit right, squared away, is critical to being able to do anything else on the field.
2: I mean, how many uh, championships in the 80s and 90s, uh, 70s, 80s, 90s did Arsenal win just on boring, boring Arsenal 1 0? Yeah, the,
3: the worry true. The worry of the defense, of course, it's amazing Major League Soccer. So this is true of everybody. It's how thin it is because there's no real option for, to replace Farfan. If Hedges is out, we've talked about what problem that is. We like Tefari, but like past him at center back, what do you have? Like Again, yeah. Yones has got a little bit something, but he's not there yet. You know, has Nainu done enough at right back to make us think that, like, he's a solution? I mean, he's okay, but I'll, right now for me too, Amos, he's better. If Paz gets hurt, Jimmy has not really rebounded as much as we in the past, we've really liked what he's done. And he's obviously a real competitor, but you know, there's definitely at this point, a little bit of a drop off. So, there, you know, but that's probably true of every position on the field, honestly, except for maybe wing oddly. <laughs> it was so weird. Yeah. That is weird. obrien has got four assists. I mean, that's, that's like the most on the team. And he's not even a starter really. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Yeah, it is.
1: Well, it is in the fact that you're you're trying to cover two positions with just three people like they yeah. don't really have a fourth winger that you can go, OK, no. that guy's going to get it no. now. The other. And, and and so you've kind of talked about the back. And so where we're in the area of, well, let's let's look at what maybe is potentially the issue uh, or, or potential issues in the middle of the field. Thomas is here, but we don't know what Thomas is going ki- to be able to bring Uh and Siki Sebling has been a very nice surprise. Uh, you know, I, I I still don't know how much you can really depend on him to you know, to be like a consistent starter. And then obviously the Serio-Faku situation is one we've talked about a lot. But if you do have questions, and Buzz, you've mentioned this a lot, it is what's the real story if Jesus was to get hurt and or, excuse me, let me knock on some wood there. Uh, or if, you know, uh, and with Hara's situation, they don't really have yeah. that backup at the number nine position.
3: Yeah, there there, there are a couple of spots that, um, you know, going into the next transfer window, you'd like to see perhaps targeted um, the, the, a third guy at the nine, a guy who could who could start a game or two would be nice. Um, listen, Benny Rudzik has shown some progression, but he's nowhere near ready in my mind to start a game. And Frank O'Hara, we know, can't really – you know, you can use him in a, a game or two as a starter, but if he had to start like the whole back end of a season, then you're in big trouble. You know, Paxton, uh, we really don't want to see him start every single game, the whole year. Someone has got to be able to start in midfield. And so far they seem reluctant to start Sermenian and, 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 and settling together. So for whatever reason, um, so it's that's hard something, to say. yeah, hard to say. Cause I don't really know why it hasn't <laughs> happened. It is hard to say. So yeah, Siki. Um, so there is a little bit of a wonder there. I mean, obviously we're hoping, uh, probably everybody's hoping, that Thomas is going to show what they're looking for. Thomas looks really good in training. There are moments where he just looks spectacular. You know, they talk about – every coach that ever has him talks about the defensive side. I think what they're really talking about is just a little bit of focus where he just switches off for a second, and all of a sudden his guy is like five yards past him. You know, it, it's not that he doesn't check press because he does – you know, it's it's just that little bit of like, uh, I don't know what how we even call that experience. Really, you know, uh, of like top in like ninety minute uh, intensity, maybe. So I'm hoping we're going to get to see him at least some soon, because otherwise, why'd they bother bringing him back? You know, uh, they they definitely got to figure out what they're going to do with him, because if he doesn't find his way into the team over the back half of this year, I'm not sure how much longer he'll be with his team at that point. They probably try and move him because they can't figure out how to get him to contribute, you know? And I think the world of the kid, I think he's got so much ability. He's a unique passer. You know, he's one of the best ball handers they've ever had. They got to find a way, but you know, there's no 10 anymore. So it's like, you got to find a way to be able to play. Cause look how Paxson plays the complete box to box thing where Paxson's defensive numbers are unbelievable. That's what they got to get Thomas to do, or it's not going to happen for him here.
1: All right, so I don't want to get into this too much, but do you have a sense that the that the the, re, the fact that we haven't seen Thomas yet is indicative of the coach's um, happiness with what he's seen so far, or is it just you know the normal course of when he arrived versus getting used to playing with everybody here? I mean th- that he's on kind of a normal course and that we will get to him, or do you th- or do you think there's a larger issue at hand?
3: Uh, It's mostly the latter. It's mostly coming in mid-season and trying to pick up the system and trying to understand the way Paxton plays. But there definitely is a component related to, like, he's not quite doing what they want yet. You know, matter of fact, uh, I would assume that, like, this window here, this basically probably – it's not going to be a full three weeks. It'll be more like two and a half weeks. will be a really good opportunity for them to drill hard on him into what they're trying to do. So hopefully we'll see him a little some on the back end. You'd like to see him start checking into games – kind of like Siki does where he's coming in like the last 10, 15. I wouldn't do both of them at the same time, but if you can get him in for packs and in some games, that'd be really great. You know?
1: Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. So Dan, do you got anything else about this season you'd like to comment on? You're a big part of the Uh, pods coming up here next. The marketing's been nice, hasn't it? It has been nice. Yeah. I thought buzz your comment today, uh, I uh, was it the actual club that tweeted yeah. out the question of who the most important edition has been, and it was your yeah. your reply was the fucking butt bass, <laughs> which was the new marketing guy. Yeah. Who by by the way, when you put that name there, I went, well, who does he play for? And I had to like,
0: <laughs> I, one, yeah. oh wait,
1: no. And then I saw, oh well, no, it's him. Uh, yeah. It's the new VP of marketing. And I went, yeah. oh yeah, Buzz is so damn smart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> top I wonder, level
3: i wonder how many people had to google that name to figure out who the hell i was talking about
1: yeah. well it it was such a smart risk one it's dead on 100 percent correct and yeah. two uh it was a funny reply and that's why you're the king that's all i gotta say about that well
3: thank you i mean you could make you could come up with so many different people associated with fc dallas that have been great acquisitions But like that one to me, like the the whole idea that the club has turned this corner, we've talked about it a bunch. There's this new direction happening, there's a new spin happening, that kind of hire isn't even just like a one-season kind of hire. That's a big, massive long-term health of the franchise hire. And the signs are all really fantastic. So, like, you know, it it was it was admittedly a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but also I thought really on point because it's it, it was the most indicative move in terms of the the, the corner this franchise has turned in my mind in terms of across the board change and 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 positive movement and, and the impact is clearly happening in the stands relatively speaking. I mean it ain't forty thousand, but it's a good three to five thousand better per game already. Yeah. It's yeah. noticeable already in the stands, around the team, in the town, in the billboards, in the marketing everything, and it's all related to that being the new hire. So that's why, for me, it was the big the big answer to that question.
1: <clears throat> all right, so Dallas uh, plays again, not till the 18th. We've got another week to go. Vancouver comes to town, and that game is at 8 p.m. up at Toyota Stadium. Uh, Dan, I think you have some non-FC Dallas news. Well, actually, first, before we get to Dan, I noticed the other day, Buzz, that – uh that Colorado, I think I saw somebody tweet out that Colorado rolled out essentially their senior team for their Colorado's 2 game, yeah, like in USL 1 or MLS Next or whatever they're playing in.
3: Yeah, Next Pro. They basically played their first team without the guys that have been called up, essentially. So, it's a really smart idea, and it made me think, of course, that with two weekends without a game, that's a long run in the middle of your season with no not just fitness, not just game fitness, but sharpness, form, touch, all that stuff. That's a long time without playing a competitive game. You can play a scrimmage, you know, inter-squad scrimmage, and I'm sure they've done that, but that's not the same as that. That So it occurs to me that uh, North Texas plays this weekend, uh, and it's Colorado did it, and I think it's very likely, and I haven't gone to practice because I'm out of town, but I think it's very likely that you might see some FC Dallas guys playing for North Texas this weekend and maybe not hedges, you know, but, but, you know, guys that you that are certainly in competition, guys that maybe you felt like need a run out to stay consistent or guys you try to work back in. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to see maybe not an entire level, but pretty close to a good chunk of that team might be FC Dallas guys. I'm just, I'm speaking purely speculatively here, just based on what I know about how coaches think in terms of competition being different than training and when I saw Colorado did it, I was just like, oh, man, that's a really great idea. I'll I'd, I'd be surprised if everybody doesn't do that.
1: Who does North Texas have next? Do you know? Uh, Timbers 2.
3: There you go. I don't even remember. Timbers,
1: Timbers 2. Timbers 2. Yeah. Oh, Timbers 2. Okay. All right. Yeah.
3: Uh, Keep in mind, MLS Next is terrible. <laughs> so, But there is a value. Like Colorado played St. Louis 2, and that's their first team now effectively. I mean, it's not – a hundred percent MLS team, but it's, it's, it's a good team. It's as good as North Texas Timbers. I think it's pretty good too. So even if the tempers don't roll out a good team, it still is a better more. Cause like if you play against the next pro team, they're going to go come out guns blazing against an MLS guys, you know, that's going to be some intense competition. That's way better than you're going to get in training. So I think it's a really good idea. And I, I think there's a good chance you'll see it against, uh, in All that right. game.
1: So I got a question for you. Yeah. So if North Texas this weekend rolls out ostensibly a starting eleven of senior team players, yeah. is Nico the coach or is Pod Macaw the coach?
3: No, Podmikah would be. Uh, All right. Yeah, you would keep Pod down weird. there. Um, well, I'm um, Nico would probably be sitting in the stands, and I'm sure he'll sure. tell him who to play. But
1: oh, and he's not going to go see Top Gun, or yeah, or, no, no. I mean, he <laughs> might the I guess. dinosaur movie right. afterwards. Okay. You yeah. know,
3: but yeah, no. Pa, I'm assuming Pod. I mean, look there's enough integration between those staffs that they would know, you know, how to use them, and what to do anyway. Sure. So it's, and he yeah. would give them the line of, I'm sure it's like, here's who you're playing and where you're playing them. But you know, here's how long you're playing them. You know, I'm sure you would see a, a whole bunch of them as you as much as you could sub out, you know, at 60 minutes or so, but um, you know, go see North Texas this weekend. You might, you might see a lot of those dudes.
1: All right. Let's downshift here for a second. Dan, why don't you tell everybody about the great Denton Diablo story?
2: Denton Diablos are our uh, local NPSL champions. Uh, They got the invite to play in the Hank Steinbrusher Cup in Flint this uh, past week. The champion of champions for all of amateur soccer in the United States, effectively. Uh, They sounds like they had a hell of a journey. Uh, our, Our good friend Damon... Coignard, the owner, uh, his flight got cancelled both ways, so he had to drive oh God, to uh, to film. Did it have anything to do with
1: his beard?
2: Uh, no, no. Apparently, okay. you can't take off your beard for TSA. Mm. Um, no. Um, they went there. They uh, played Lansdowne Yonkers, one of the uh, one of the constant what a uh, great name presences and. Yeah, they're uh, you know one of the constant presences in the U.S. Open Cup. They beat them four uh, one. I can't remember who it was, but one player's got a th- uh, second half hat trick after subbing on. Uh, unfortunately, they lost uh, the final to Flint City Bucks, who uh, win that cup for the fourth uh, successive time now. Wow. um Yeah, uh, I, I've I watched some of the game. Uh, Denton were absolutely dominant in the first half. Uh, Rayan Padilla hit the crossbar. He should have had another. Uh, they looked absolutely phenomenal going forward. They really shut them down. Um, Coming, yeah. You know, uh, Flint came out second half, pretty hot. Got two quick goals, and then uh, Denton got a late consolation from the penalty spot, but uh, not enough quite to, to turn it around. Um, they uh, they are uh, apparently they didn't uh, didn't lose any momentum in the league because they. Uh, they, they won last night against uh, Coyote's FC with uh, with Padilla scoring five goals. So <laughs> Wow. Yeah,
1: why, why do I know yeah.
2: that name, Buzz?
3: Well, uh, Brian Padilla is a former uh, FC Dallas Academy kid. He, he's slightly behind Paxton and, and Jesus. Just, he was on the same team with Thomas. He went to Maryland. Um, Unfortunately, he's been he's had two pretty big major injuries at Maryland, so he's red medical redshirted twice. So he's still actually eligible, which is incredible. I think he's going to play uh, one final season uh, this fall. I think I think he is because he wasn't in the draft pool this last year. So uh, the reason he's interesting is because he's technically a homegrown eligible player as long as he's done his required stuff, which I imagine he has because he's a highly, highly, highly regarded talent. At one point, he was regarded just about as good as Pax and Jesus you know, and chose to go the college route. I don't know if Dallas ever went after him as a homegrown. For me, he was just a tiny tick, not quite as good as Paxton, but he's really, really good. He's a difference maker making kind of player, scores big goals, and he's kind of a um, – he, he's not a winger or or, or a 10. He, he would have the same problem a lot of guys do now. Is where you play Jesus. him? Yeah, he's kind of an off-striker, false wing or something like that. He's a lot like Jesus. That's a really good description. So off-striker in the old days but a guy that people like us have assumed for years was going to be a pro and the injuries have been a big worry. So seeing a guy like that score five goals is really exciting because he's an FC Dallas guy. So that's, uh, that might be really cool. Looking forward in the future.
1: All right. Uh, well, congratulations to uh, Denton Diablos and Damon. That's a cool story. They continue to do very well and make everybody around here really proud. Uh cool little club they got going on up there. Um, okay, anything else, fellas, that we need to touch on or discuss or chat about here?
3: Um, got another, go ahead, Dan.
2: I was going to say, I've got another uh, local youth prospect that seems to have recycled or resurfaced. Um, remember Bailey Sparks at, uh, I do. at Solar? The, the kid that FC Dallas could never quite get, and then he signed an academy deal at Sporting Kansas City as a, like a fast-track into the USL team.
3: Yeah, matter of fact, Kansas City wanted to sign him in uh Dallas homegrown territory to even blocked it.
2: <laughs> so he's <laughs> yeah. playing for Texas United in the uh, USL League too. Uh since he he left Kansas City and started and went to SMU. So now he's uh he's playing at uh Parish Episcopal, uh, right next to Green Hill, that famous uh, proving ah. ground of so many Dallas players.
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna go so far as to call that a tragic situation because that kid is legit pro talented. He has no business playing in college. That's a guy that needed to go straight from, you know, uh, Academy or us. He was playing for effectively North Texas is the sporting's version of that. Their two team on a, on an Academy contract. He needs to be playing in a pro environment. There's no reason that kid should be at SMU. How old is he? I mean, he's probably 19, 19 just out of high school. So yeah.
1: does Dallas just not have any eyes for him or does he, is he kind of like that they don't want, he doesn't want to play for them?
3: He's Capus. He, he, he never played for FC Dallas. So he's not eligible to a homegrown contract, but he's from their homegrown territory. So nobody else can sign him to a homegrown contract. Like he wouldn't play for sporting for a year in their academy. He, so that made him quote eligible for homegrown for them, except that he's a Dallas territory guy. Territory. So automatically he was automatically blocked from signing one of them, just like Capus was with Dallas so this is again this territory rule. It's stupid because Bailey Sparks doesn't want to play for FC Dallas. That's fine. That's his prerogative. He wanted to play for somebody else. He should have been able to, but he can't. And, there's, and it's a loss for him that he's playing in college because he's way too talented for that. He doesn't even start for SMU, you know, because they're not interested in necessarily his professional development. They're interested in winning college soccer games, right? I mean, he played like I think he started maybe like six or seven, maybe. down. I don't even look but it's uh, stupid I It's stupid that he's playing college ball and not playing professional ball. It's ridiculous. Well, wait a
1: second. I'm, that doesn't make any sense to me. If he's such a superstar in the making and a pro and a pro-level talent, why would he not be starting at the collegiate level game in and game out?
3: Because a, a freshman creative baller kind of kid is not necessarily good enough to start Uh, for a a college soccer team when you're playing against an 18-year-old kid against a 22-year-old kid who are playing a bigger, physical, more direct kind of game when he's a ball-handling, nifty player. Now, he's tall, but he's really lanky and not really very strong. He's got real great ball skill. He needs to be playing in a professional development team, training with professionals, being coached by professionals. He needs to be playing for North Texas or Sporting Institute or whatever. He
1: could do the Gojo route, right? He could have. Yeah, he could have. J- Jogo, go. Yeah,
3: yeah. He could have, but he didn't. I mean, I don't, I think once, once he couldn't sign with sporting, I think he was like, okay, I'll go to SMU. That'll be fine. I guess. I, I don't, you know, I'm not privy to why he made the decision he made to go to SMU. You know, uh, maybe there wasn't a team. Uh, I think this is crazy, but maybe there's not an USL team that thought he was good enough. I, I don't find that likely to be true because the kids are legit. Awesome. He's one of the best players to ever come out of solar you know, I, I thought it was such a tragedy. He never wanted to play for FC Dallas, and they could never get him to come over. But um, he's a great player with a big upside. He needs to be in a developmental environment. Maybe he's not ready to play for FC Dallas or something like that. Or Sporting, Sporting would have been playing him, you know, like a homegrown. They would have developed well, him like you do. But
2: hopefully, uh, North uh, playing for Texas United and USL League Two will be that kind of shop window for yeah. League One and Championship teams. Because, like I say, he's he's he's. Uh, losing four years to college or i mean maybe he just does a you know maybe he just goes until the next draft does his does his eligibility and and can uh and that's it
3: yeah uh, i mean there's all kinds yeah. of weird crap happening these days with rules and maybe some maybe there's some way he can get an opportunity somewhere the kid is super super talented i really want to see him get a chance at a higher level than and listen no offense to smu But that's not where you go anymore to develop your high-level pro game. You play for, you want a homegrown deal. You want to be one of these 18-year-old kids that's playing for North Texas, right? That's what you want. You don't want to be playing for SMU. No offense to SMU. There are guys that are late bloomers that don't come out of academy systems, but he came from a much better system than that. He was already playing for Sporting's developmental team. He's taking a step backwards to go to SMU, and it's a shame.
1: All right, uh, I think we've done enough for this. Oh, well, I got week. one more. I got one more. Oh, oh good Lord.
3: <laughs> Sorry. Well, Tariq Scott, who is one of the top-tier players on my FC Dallas Academy homegrown wish list, he's currently a U-17, but he plays for the 19s mostly. He's the one who has been with North Texas a fair bit. He scored a brace in their first game when he came off the bench. Apparently, he's in this Bayern Munich World Team thing today. They, they tweeted out a team photo yesterday, and he's in it. So he's off with Bayern Munich doing that, whatever that reality. I don't know a lot of details about it, but what a cool opportunity for a kid who's, I don't know, 16, 17 right now. Doesn't he have a
1: twin brother with him?
3: No, not twin brother. His older brother, Malik Henry Scott, plays for Tulsa. He's a Ah. very, very quick, talented player in college, a guy who may be one of these late broomers that you look at down the line. But Tariq is bigger and more polished and is a higher level prospect in my mind. For me, he's high on the homegrown list, not a guy I want to see go to college by any means. Super cool that he's in this Byron thing. I don't know what it means in terms of like what that level is. I don't, I've never watched the show, so I don't know that about it. But what an opportunity, even if it's just like for the summer, how cool is that, man, that he's getting that opportunity? I think it's terrific.
1: Yeah, that looked, uh, that's a, uh, what's the other, it, who's the last Dallas player that played on that world team, Byron world team?
3: I don't know that any Dallas player has played. I mean, I North Texas somebody... has that kid that that came Mul- through that yeah. mulatto who plays for North Texas now. Came through that ah, and is okay. here through that relationship. That's
0: what I'm think, thinking. Uh,
3: of. Yeah, Dallas has sent guys to Byron before to train with their 19s and their 20s, and stuff. This is different. This is like this summer. I think it's kind of a reality show. I think you play some games and stuff. You know, I I, I, I should have looked into it more, but. Uh, and I will now, obviously he's not, no, no he's in the team, but man, whatever it is, it's super cool that he's got an invite that somebody thought well enough of, of him to take him over there to this competition. He's part of this team. They're going to play some games over the course of this summer. What, I mean, how cool is that if for a 16 year old, 17 year old kid, whatever he is, uh, you know, he, they're in the playoffs right now that actually like they may have missed the playoffs. I think no, the 19s made it. Yeah, they're in. So whatever, who cares about that? He's off in Germany. That's awesome.
0: Hey, this is Graham reminding you to shop Soccer90.com for all your FC Dallas, U.S. National Team, and International Club jerseys, tees, and scarves. Beginning today, all FC Dallas jerseys are eligible for the 3rd Degree Podcast Listener Discount. So when checking out on Soccer90.com, be sure to use the promo code 3rdDegree and you'll receive 20% off your entire order. Soccer 90. Live it. Love it. Wear it. Up the Mariners.
1: All right, very good. Dan, thank you for your time tonight. Good content as always, sir.
2: Thank you for your time.
1: Have you trimmed the beard since I saw you last?
2: Uh, Speaking of beards. It needs a bit of a trim. Okay,
1: all right. Uh, And uh, Buzz? I know you're enjoying your time off, but I think I can speak for, I don't mean to speak for Dan, but I'm going to speak for Dan and I'm going to speak for all of your fans and readers and uh, listeners to this pod and sending us our love and compassion to you and your family and what probably has been a pretty tough two or three weeks for you. Um, And just know that we're here for you and we love you very
3: much. Well, thank you. It has been a tough couple of weeks, but I appreciate that. Uh, Thank you.
1: All right, FC Dallas Curious fan, we do love and adore you as well, too. We will speak to you next week, uh, again, without any games to talk about, on another episode of Third
2: Degree, the podcast. When is soccer back? Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree
0: degree, Net Podcast.
2: If
3: i can.